So he decided to become a major drug dealer. Then like there's a police truck. They're like ready to make like a bunch of arrests. Wow, she, she complied with the ID check and then got put in handcuffs. Mm -hmm. Homeboy like pulls out like a bag of Tusi, doing it at the courthouse on a Monday morning. Welcome to my podcast, Starting Over, where we talk to foreigners who have moved to Chile on the other side of the world to start over and start a life here in the most southern country. Today, we're in Santiago. We're with Max, who's all the way from California in the US, right? Mm -hmm. We're going to hear about your experience in Chile and how did you get here? First of all, how are you today? I'm pretty good. Just uh, kind of excited to be doing this. I'm a little nervous. This is my Me first too. time. Cool. Me too. It's my first time doing the podcast, so I'm also quite nervous. But um, yeah, so how did you end up, you know, living in California? How have you ended up here in Santiago? So I was a bike messenger for five years. Really fun, great community, all that, but you can't do it forever. And I was like, one day I was thinking, if I do nothing, I'm going to be doing this exact same stuff in 10 years. And my original plan after university was to teach English somewhere. Um, so I applied in every direction and Chile is what stuck. Okay, so what did you study at university? Uh, international Studies and Education. Oh, brilliant. Okay, so when you said you applied for jobs, what job was it that worked out here in Chile? I use worked out loosely, but this one called Beyond English. Mm -hmm. I will say this, when they say, yeah, move and teach English abroad, you don't need previous teaching experience or to <laughs> look, like know the language, that's a fucking lie. <laughs> I've been in that position as well. So now you're married to a Chilean, right? Mm -hmm. How how did that come about? Um, we were roommates, um, and we started out like just as like friends, and then put it bluntly, we drunkenly hooked up, and then I, well, the next morning I was like, oh my god, you are so stupid! I cannot believe you just hooked up with your roommate, and then <laughs> it was like gradually went to, to like. Uh, hanging out every day and then one day it was like okay how do I introduce you to my friends and then we were like serious boyfriend girlfriend COVID happened and both of our jobs were kind of in like a purgatory so we moved in together because I was like if I'm going to be stranded in a foreign country I don't want to be stranded without you moved in together and then I have the romantic version and the non-romantic version of how we got married well, you, you give us the version you want to give. <laughs> okay, so romantic version was we were living together in quarantine for over a year, plus we like did international travel, plus a road trip. So it was like, okay, we're definitely built for the long term. I could definitely see myself with her mm -hmm. forever. So that's the romantic version. And that is lovely, to be fair. You know, you said it felt like a mistake at the, at the you know, the first instance where you sort of, you know, got drunk and hooked up with your roommate. But, you know, you've come all this way and it's yeah. worked out for the best, definitely. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, 100%. So what's the reality version? Was um, that what you call it? Because uh, it's just the non-romantic version. <laughs> Let's hear it. Um, 
because we spoke to an immigration lawyer and he advised us to get married. So when you came to Chile, you obviously, you know, you lived the first quarantine here, which was very, very intense, wasn't it? That first lockdown in Chile. But in terms of when you first came to Chile, how was the process of like acclimatizing yourself to a new country? What was that like? You know, you're Spanish. Did you have any Spanish before you came? I thought I did. And it turns out I didn't. (laughs) So how was it the process? A little rough, to be a thousand percent honest. Um... Because I came here in the dead of winter. Oh. And then... So I, I left in winter and came here in winter. So I had back-to-back winters. Yeah. Um, My job wasn't really working out. The people I was... I wasn't really clicking with the people I lived with. It kind of got to this point where, like, it was like, I either need to, like... Something needs to, like, change pretty drastically or I'm going to go home. Mm-hmm. And then, fortunately, it did. I... Got a new job, new living situation, and then I met, like, my wife. Oh, so it did all work out for the best, definitely. Yeah, Yeah, I think we all go through those rough patches when we live abroad, definitely. Like, there's that moment when you think, like, what am I doing here? So what do you do do for your job now? What do you do now? Now I work in UX. User experience, right? Yeah. Okay. Can you tell me a bit more about that? Um, So I'm, like, still pretty new to it. It kind of happened midway through the pandemic. As a foreigner, I always get asked, you know, what do you like about Chile? Do you like it? But we're going to switch. I'm going to turn the tables a bit here. I'm going to ask you, what's been your worst experience here? So at our house, we had a flatmate slash he was also, like, the property manager. Mm Mm-hmm who just midway through the pandemic decided to just resort to a life of crime, and he wasn't good at it. What kind of crime? Uh, Drug dealing. Oh, wow. Nothing like coke or heroin, like the fun, the party drugs. Okay. So he decided to become a major drug dealer and wasn't good at it. (laughs) No way. And he made that everyone's problem. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So you were living with a newbie drug dealer mm-hmm. in lockdown mm-hmm. in a new country. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. So what happened? You said he made it everyone's problem. What happened? So let's see. One big one was when he made an enemy and that enemy called the police on the house. Oh, God. <laughs> and I was going grocery shopping, so I wasn't there, but my wife unfortunately is the one who answered the door yeah and they said that they have reports of like drugs in the house and she asked very politely there's like video of this did she film that or did they she filmed it like once it started like heating up like she like had video of it so they arrived and they said you know let us in we've got reports of drug dealing or drugs they only like uh reported growing pot in the house okay right yeah and did they do you know if they reported anonymously uh the guy was in front of the house okay so he was like waiting for him to pay the guy right and then because he was like not leaving the house so then he called the cops on the house yeah what i do know is yeah she said like sorry officer no warrant you can't search the house so then he's like okay can i see your carnet mm-hmm. he get she gives him his her carnet and then he like puts her in handcuffs oh wow she she complied with the id check and then got put in handcuffs mm-hmm. i come back from the store and i just see like bunch of cop cars in front of the house and her like sobbing 
Was she still in handcuffs at this point? Uh, all I know is that she was just in the back of the car. And how did you feel when you came back from grocery shopping like, to this? What the fuck? Literally. Yeah. Wow. So I just thought we better quickly cover the law in Chile regarding search warrants and the police coming into your house. So laws regarding police warrants to search a house are laid out in Articles 204 to 216 in the Chilean Code of Criminal Procedure. A judge can only create a search warrant if there is previously existing evidence, such as photos, witness statements, etc. There are some cases that the police can enter without a warrant, one of them being if they are pursuing an individual who is in the course of or has committed a crime. Chilean jurisprudence does rule, though, that anonymous reports, which we may assume he called anonymously, mm-hmm. because I doubt a drug dealer would give his name, yeah. um, these don't constitute sufficient evidence to enter without a warrant. So I do think there is a big question mark over the legality of your wife's arrest, especially yeah. if she didn't resist vocally, if she didn't... You know, she wasn't violent towards the Carabineros. Yeah. I really can't see a legitimate reason for them to yeah. arrest her. I mean, if anyone listening to this podcast has any knowledge to impart on us on that one, that would be interesting to hear. But I mean, for you, you know, I only know this because I researched it and checked with a lawyer. It's not really accessible information. And also, when you're in a foreign country, you just assume that this is how things are. Now, I know your wife is Chilean, but for you and her... What were the consequences of this? What happened afterwards? Nothing major. Like, they just kind of dropped it, but it's on her record. Okay, so when you say dropped it, she was in the back of the car, you came back, all this was kicking off. You know, when was she let go? Uh, So they brought her to the nearest precinct. Mm -hmm. um, And then I was just like, I just need to be the worst American. (laughs) So I, like, stormed there and was like, I demand all of this in English. Like, I was like, (laughs) I demand to speak to an English-speaking officer now. And then some guy came out and, like, why is she in there? And they're just like, for possession of marijuana. And then I pulled out the phone and, like, that is legal or, like, decriminalized here. Like, growing. You can grow up to, like... Four or six plants, also decriminal resisting arrest. She'll be out in a few hours. Oh, so his story changed three yeah. times. The, and the one that stuck was resisting arrest. Yeah. Oh, I'm waiting right here. And then I was just singing really loudly and off key <laughs> till they let her go. Well, so you were basically trying to make yourself an, enough of a nuisance so that they would just hand her back yeah. over and, and drop it. Wow. <laughs> and how did that go down with the carabineros? God. Like, what is this gringo doing? <laughs> yeah, and I was, like, singing, like, let her go, let her go, I will leave if you let her go. <laughs> oh, dear. So they did let her go then. Yeah, they just, like, had her sign some papers and then just let her out. Okay, so do you know what she signed at all? Um, Just... Something saying that they weren't going to, like, press any, like, actual charges against her. Okay. Even though, from what I can tell, she didn't do anything wrong. She didn't yeah. commit an offense. No. No. Okay. And what what's the consequences of this for you now? Basically, when we move to the States, we're just going to have to disclose that to, like, U.S. immigration. So what exactly is there to disclose? Is it... Like, have you ever been arrested? And then we have to say yes. And then we have to, like, say why. And do you think there'll be any potential consequences for you? Um, we have, like, an immigration lawyer and he said, like, 
as long as we've never been convicted of anything, it should be fine. Okay, yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah. yeah. Wow, that is a crazy story. So after that happened, I assume you had to, you know, readdress your living situation. Uh, we actually, so like I said, we were kind of in weird employment situations. Like we were both working without contracts. So it was kind of difficult to move. So like multiple other stuff happened before we were just like, okay, we are moving. Okay, so there was more stuff apart from your wife getting arrested for something she had nothing to do with. Yeah. There was other stuff as well. Yeah. So we lived on like one property mm-hmm. and the property next door in COVID, this was infuriating, in COVID was throwing house parties. Oh dear. Yeah. Like big, like ragers. <laughs> and one day, they threw one on a Wednesday night too. And one day, like, the police showed up again. Once it was, like, clear that the police knew our address, they're just like, yeah, yeah, we know that house. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. So, but yeah, they were throwing these huge parties. And then one day, it was, like, just us and a couple, like, just us and the flatmates were just, like, hanging out. Mm -hmm. And then the police knock on our door. And then I answered the door and just, I'm like, yeah, wrong house. (laughs) Then, like, there's a police truck. They're, like, ready to make, like, a bunch of arrests. Oh, gosh. And then more police come to our our house with, like, some guys from the Ministry of Health. And this is because of a party that was going on at a different... Next door. Okay, next door. Wow. They're, like, connected, the houses. Mm -hmm. But it was like, we had nothing to do with it. Mm. And then, like, the police and the Ministry of Health come through the door. Did you open the door? We opened the door. Okay, yeah. And then we're just like, look at the party that's going on here. You want to see this room? And it's my wife watching Netflix. (laughs) Or this room. And then it's, like, our friend on her computer. Or the kitchen or the yard. No party here. So did did they leave after seeing they left. that? Did they ask you any questions at all? Uh, it was all in Spanish, but like, no, they didn't ask. Like, they're like, okay, yeah, we believe you. Okay, it's next door that's the problem. Yeah. So you had people partying in COVID. You had your drug dealer flatmate. Is there anything else that happened? Uh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> what yeah. Else? Um, let's see. They kind of came to a turning point when the drug dealer flatmate, like, got arrested with everything like everything in his possession everything in his possession oh wow so it was like 2c weed cocaine like and it was all like enough for intent to distribute yeah Uh, which obviously he had yeah yeah (laughs) so one morning we go to the courthouse slash jailhouse to like pick him up why was that your responsibility? Was that just at, at the time you... Well, he was, like, our friend. At that point. Yeah. And Are you, the, do you still talk now? Absolutely not. Okay. No. <laughs> we went there, and his boss oh my God. is there, too. And this was the wildest shit I've ever seen in my life. Like, homeboy, like, pulls out, like, a bag of Tootsie and starts, like, doing it at the courthouse on a Monday morning. And I'm just like, how is that fun? The guy or the boss? The boss. So he came to the courthouse for what reason? To, like, make sure that he didn't, like, talk. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he went off his own own back to make sure his 
employee, shall we say, in the loose sense of the word, didn't say anything to the authorities and started doing drugs in the courthouse. Yeah. And what did you think when you saw this happening? Jesus Christ, how is this my life? So what was the outcome of his case? Um, he, the drug dealers had some pretty incredible lawyers. So he got out. Okay. And then, but then he ended up owing those guys so much money. So what did that mean for you and your wife? That means that the drug dealers kicked the door down and were just like, where the fuck is he? They beat up the drug, like the drug dealer's girlfriend. They beat up the flatmate's girlfriend. Oh my god. Yeah, it was intense. It was scary. And you guys were there. You witnessed that. I wasn't there. I just come back and like my wife is like freaking the fuck out, like crying. So she was there and she witnessed her other flatmate, the drug dealer's girlfriend, get beaten up by this mafia kind of group. Yeah. Oh my god. And then, yeah, that's like when we like called the police and told them that these guys came to the house and that's when they were like, yeah, we know this place. And did they do anything? No, and then, like, they never came back, because we also kind of, that was, like, when we just threw him under the bus. In what sense? Oh, we were just like, he's not here. Okay. We don't owe you money. Yeah. He owes you money. Yeah. Yeah. Would you say that was the turning point for you, saying, we need to leave, we need to find another place to live? Yeah. Okay, so what happened then? Did you, did you manage to make quite a swift exit? Um, no, we, like... Well, once he left, it became, like, an actual pretty nice place to live. So we had, like, a nice little golden era Mm -hmm. of the house for, like, about a month or two. It was very nice. And then everybody just kind of moved out on their own. Okay. So it kind of came to a close naturally then. Yeah. Yeah. So how's life now? You you live with your wife. Um, Everything sounds quite good. Yeah. 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 Now it's, like... We have, like, a nice apartment, two pets, and now we don't have to worry about if petty or drug dealers are going to kick the door down. So, when all this was going on, did you not, did you feel homesick? Did you feel quite disoriented by it all? It was so strange. It's, like, kind of hard to, like, describe it. Was there a moment when you were scared for you and your wife? Scared is kind of a weird term, because I was kind of like, we're not involved in this. Um, But was the drug dealer's girlfriend involved, or was she just his girlfriend? She's involved. Okay. Yeah. So she was in that network, and that's why she she ended up on the wrong side of these, these people. Yeah. Gosh. And when you say she got beat up, like, how badly? Um, I think they, like, punched her. I'm not, like, 100% sure, like... I saw her later and she, like, there wasn't, like, any, like, she wasn't, like, hospitalized or anything Mm -hmm. like that. Yeah, but still a very scary experience for everyone. And for your wife to see that as well. Yeah. Yeah. How long have you been here now? Two years. And have you been home in that time? Just once. We probably would have been more if not for, like, COVID. Yeah. And do you get homesick? I do. I do. I, like, miss my friends and family. But I will say, like, we as Americans, especially in San Francisco, are spoiled with variety Mm, of food yes that's one thing that i always i always complain about yeah yeah so i miss the variety i miss spicy food do you not find the food here spicy not at all no okay so if you could give one piece of advice to another foreigner coming to live in chile what would it be 
learn Spanish before you get here. Did you really struggle? Oh yeah. How much Spanish did you come with? Like A1, if that. Okay. Because I came with, you know, like top marks from school and I thought I'm going to be absolutely fine. And it was the accent and the slang that it took me like three months to understand what the hell was going on. And, you know, I consider myself like quite proficient. Do you have an example of, you know, when you really struggled not having the language? Um, Just like when I first moved here, just getting around. I'm trying to think of like specific examples because it was all mostly just minor interactions and then like just whenever people would like talk to me on the street I'd just be like see see (laughs) it's everything yeah (laughs) I just being from California just know like all the like Mexican slang so I just got kind of funny looks when I would say like I used to incorporate both that's why I would say like pinche (laughs) weón yeah I think that would get a few funny looks yeah Okay, well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and for telling us your story of you starting over here in Chile. It's been really interesting and insightful and sounds a little bit dramatic as well. Yeah, it was. (laughs) Yeah, but you got through, you're married, you're happy now, you got Mm -hmm. a great apartment. Um, Do you think you'll stay here for a long time to come? Um, So, like, our plan is move to the States, make that U.S. money, and then move back here. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, that's kind of what we're hoping for. Brilliant. All right. Well, I hope everything works out for you and your wife and that that issue with the cops here doesn't come back to bite you. Hopefully not. Fingers crossed everything will go to plan. But thank you so much for sharing your story. It's been really, really interesting. Thank you. Yeah, this was cool. Thank you so much. Yeah.